0: All right, what's happening? What is going on? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. How we doing out there? Appreciate you joining us on today's show. All right, let's get into it. So, what we're going to do today is kind of go over what we talked about on the on yesterday's podcast with the analytics. Right? We talked about two point conversions, analytics, and I think I may have gone a little too quickly on that show. I've heard from several of you, and it seems like there are some questions. So, let's go back over the two point discussion so we can be very clear about this. Now just to just to go over everything from a general point of view, when it comes to analytics and sports, I am not so strict where it's like always got to have analytics, always got to have analytics because I put myself in the shoes of the coaches and the people making these decisions. And if I were a coach working for a billionaire owner who really hated to lose, I may not make the, the exact right math analytical decision every time. If it meant I could potentially keep my job longer, right? Part of what we talked about yesterday is is what jimmy johnson used to say as a head coach he used to say if you want to stay if you want to keep your job if you don't want to get fired do the things right that the owner and the fans will notice right if you have a bunch of penalties you have a bunch of uh, uh, you burn timeouts that's stuff the fans and, and owner who don't know football very well will notice right if if a left guard misses an assignment or a receiver runs the wrong route, you're not going to get fired as a head coach because those are things where it's like, well, maybe it's the player. The owner doesn't notice those things. So that's why you have to put yourself in the shoes of the head coaches. It's not always as easy as it is for us sitting at home on our couch going, well, the math says this, do that. There's a lot more uh, nuance that goes into these decisions. Okay. So that's my thought overall in analytics. It's not always as easy as the nerds behind the computers say so. Okay. But You may consider me to be one of those nerds behind a computer. And let me tell you why, mathematically speaking, you should always, if you're down 14, you score to go down eight, you should always go for two in that situation. So let's walk through it again, okay? Because I know a lot of you had questions on yesterday's show. So the the scenario here is if you're down 14 in the NFL and you score a touchdown to now go down eight, instead of kicking the extra point, to go down seven which has been done throughout the history of the sport that's what all teams have done what math is now revealing we should do is go for two during that first touchdown okay now there's a few things we have to pay attention to here the first is this entire exercise this entire scenario we're talking about is assuming we score or the losing team scores stops the opponent, and then scores again, right? All other outcomes make this discussion meaningless. So this is only if you're down 14 and you're going to score, stop them, score a touchdown. How do you handle that? Okay. So that's the first thing. This is all assuming that happens, but okay. We can move on and all, we've all assumed that, that, that that's going on. We all know the example in, in the scenario we're laying out. Okay. There's first a couple math things we all have to keep in mind for these scenarios. These, all of these math-based um you know statements are very important for what we're going to talk about okay the first is extra points are made or converted positively 94% of the time okay 94 out of 100 extra points in the NFL are converted i think Justin Tucker the best kicker in the NFL just missed one last week right it happens so that that's very important in this entire thing if extra points were made 100% of the time that, that would change things but they're not so that's the first number extra points are made 94% of the time The next number, two-point conversions are converted about 49% of the time. It's just under 50%. The offense will convert a two-point conversion. And then the third piece of math that we have to understand, or third statement that's based around math we have to know, is that teams will win 50% of the time in overtime. Right? It gets to overtime, it's generally going to be a coin toss. Literally, right? It's whoever wins that coin toss has a very good chance to win. So you get to overtime, it's going to be right around 50-50. So let's go through these scenarios. Let's go through the scenario of scoring, stopping the other team and scoring and talk percentages why it's better to go for two. So let's start off with the classic situation we all are used to where you score and then kick an extra point. So you're down seven and then now you score again, kick an extra point to go to overtime. Okay. What happens in those scenarios is you can expect to win 45% of the time. you do that. You go, you do the normal scenario. You're going to win 45 percent of the time. The 45, you you, you may think you may be confused from that, right? Because I know I'm going to slow down for today's show because I want to explain this. A lot of you may be confused because I just said when you get to overtime, you win half the time, 50 percent. But then I said in this situation where you score, kick an extra point, score, kick an extra point, you win 45 percent of the time. You may say, why isn't it 50% if you're going to overtime? Well, that's because the extra points still have to happen, right? So given the extra points, you have a 91% chance to go to overtime and about a 9% chance to lose. There's a 9% chance that you will miss one of those two extra points. So that's the scenario with the normal situation. You're going to win about 45% of the time. If you go for two on the first time, you're going to win around 60% of the time. Okay, you're going to win outright in regulation 45% of the time. So four and a half out of 10 times, you don't even go to overtime because you convert and then make the second one. 28% of the time, okay, 28%, you're going to go to overtime because you're going to miss the first two point conversion and convert the second two point conversion. See, this all comes down to it's more likely to get one two point conversion than it is to fail both of them. That's the whole idea here. So if you go for two the first time, you're going to win 45% of the time in regulation. 28% of the time, you're going to go to overtime because you're going to fail the first one, get the second one. And 27% of the time, you're going to lose, right? So this all comes down to, like I said, it's more likely to get that first two-point conversion than it is not to convert two two two-point conversions. So when it comes down to it, if you go for two after being down 14 and scoring, and you play out the scenario where you score, stop, score, you're going to win 60% of the time. If you do a normal situation where you score, kick an extra point, stop them, score, kick an extra point, you're going to win 45% of the time. So that's the math difference. I hope that was maybe a little more clear than yesterday because you know when you when you boil it down, it's not super complex, but I think I just kind of ran through it yesterday. So that's the idea, right? It's all about setting yourself up with the... And it is also like there's different things to go into it, right? like, like the knowns and unknowns because... If you go for two the first time and you don't get it, you still know you have to go for two the second time. It takes the decision-making out of of the coach's hands. If you get it the first time, now you know you only have to kick an extra point the second time you score. So all things together, if you just do the normal thing, the normal score, field goals, or score extra point, score extra point, you're going to win 45% of the time. If you go for two that first touchdown you're going to win 60% of the time. So, all right, that's, that's the math for the two-point conversion discussion. So hopefully I cleared things up. Let's move on to first touchdown score. This is really interesting. I've seen this a lot of places. Several of you asked me about this. My friends talk about this all the time. This is all over social media. It seems like a very fun public bet to make. First touchdown score. And I want to actually be clear about this. Like we always talk about on this show, the one question you have to answer before doing anything in sports betting is, why are you doing it? Are you doing this to win money? Are you doing this to have fun? Because those are very different answers for what I would instruct you to do based on that. So, look, if you just want to make a few bets every week, you have a nice job, you make some money, this is a hobby for you, you just, you like to spend 20 a week on your favorite team, this advice is not for you. Now, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Betting is different for everyone. Enjoy enjoy it how you enjoy it. There's nothing, you know, don't let anyone else tell you, including me, how to bet. Okay? But if you do want to take winning more seriously, that's what these kind of things are. That's who these kind of things are for. You know, it's for those who do, you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to be a pro. Maybe you don't want to sit and grind for hours a day, you know, betting sports, but, but maybe you want to win at the end of the month. Maybe you're sick of losing money and you still want to do this casually, but win. that's who this advice is for It's for people who want to take this more seriously, or at least take winning more seriously. So that, that's kind of what things like this are all about. So uh, first touchdown score. So here's the thing with the first touchdown score. The reason why it's usually almost always not a good bet is because of the natural tax that you're going to get on multiway markets. You see, if you get an average game like Broncos Packers this weekend and the Broncos are minus one, the Packers are plus one. There's not a whole lot of taxing the house can do without us noticing. We're all used to paying minus one ten. So if it's Broncos minus one minus one ten and the Packers plus one minus one ten, that looks normal to us. But if it were suddenly Broncos minus one minus one thirty and Packers plus one minus one thirty, we would notice. But we don't seem to notice, or at least the the public better doesn't notice when it's a multi way market. You know who's going to win the NHL Stanley Cup? Who's going to score the first touchdown? When there's a lot of outcomes or a lot of things you can pick from, sportsbooks typically jam the tax up. They just they increase the household by this incredibly unfair amount that makes it, over the long run, impossible for us to win. Now, let's be clear about that. Over the long run, impossible to win. Every, everyone's going to win short-term, and I say everyone is in everyone. My dog could do this. She'd have a nice streak. If you're on social media, you're going to have a nice streak where you win these first on score bets, right? Hell, you're going to win the lottery. Someone this month will win the lottery. That doesn't make it a plus EV bet. Just because things happen and when wins are put out there on Twitter and TikTok and... Any kind of social media doesn't make it a good bet before or after the fact, right? So we have to remember these things. It's about making good bets over and over. That's how you win in sports betting. You don't bet 15 bucks on a long shot, get lucky, and then post it on whatever social media outlet you're on and try and get followers or whatever, right? So, again, this is for people who want to take winning more seriously. This is not for most. you got to understand, this advice is strictly for people who want to take this more seriously. But let's get back to the first touchdown score bet, Okay. The average, and I say average because it's going to vary a little bit for each person, each team, each game. But on average, the first touchdown bet is such a heavily taxed bet, it's not worth it. Let's talk about an exact example to make it very easy on all of you listening how bad a bet this is. I went for I went on FanDuel.com, because I always use DraftKings, first of all, as an example, and I think a lot of you do use FanDuel as well. So anyway, I went on FanDuel before this show, and I looked up the... Um, the first touchdown score I bet for Thursday night football this week. This week it's New Orleans at Jacksonville, I think. And I looked up first touchdown score on Fanduel. They are charging on Fanduel for the first touchdown score for Thursday night football a twenty eight point zero nine. Let's call it twenty eight point one percent household. To compare that, what that means, like you may, what are you talking about? What the hell does that mean? How do I? What do I do with that information? Here's what that means the classic bet that we all bet into that's -110 minus -110 110, minus 110, right both options are -110 the household on that is about 4.45% we're betting into a -110 minus -110 110, minus 110 line that's what that looks like if this one if this 28% house uh, hold looked like it did on a two team bet right how we talked about earlier how you, how they can hide these these taxes in these multiway markets let's say they had broncos packers this weekend but it was the same household that this very first touchdown score bet is you would be betting into a line that was minus 177 on one side and minus 177 on the other side Think about how outrageously unfair that is. Would you ever make a bet, no matter the sport? Let's, let's use college football. Ohio State is, ho- or is at Penn State, hosting Penn State? I think Ohio State's hosting Penn State this weekend, okay? Penn State at Ohio State. The Buckeyes are currently four and a half point favorites. What if you got onto your sportsbook, your website, and you go to college football, you want to bet this game, you pull up Ohio State-Penn State, and you see Ohio State minus four and a half, minus 177. Penn State plus four and a half, minus 177 most of you would be outraged you would never bet there again you would be so offended that this sports book would offer such a horrible line you may never do business with them again you may never make a bet there again yet they do this for a first touchdown score and you're actually clamoring to do this you're actually posting for other people to go do this do you see what a bad bet this is when we kind of break it down that way No one in their right mind would bet a game where each side's minus 177. That's fucking insane. But suddenly, you get a first touchdown score bet where there's 30 options, and and they hide that so the average person can't see it. Oh, yeah, no big deal. Let's make a first touchdown score bet. I mean, it's crazy. And look, here's how it works. Uh, FanDuel has, let's see, Elijah Cooks. Okay, let's just use this as an example for one player. Elijah Cooks, wide receiver for Jacksonville, has had exactly 0 snaps this year. 0 snaps, obviously 0 targets, no production. Well, FanDuel has him at 90 to 1 plus 9,000 to score first. Now, to the untrained eye, you may say, "Hey, that's 90 to 1. Who cares? Put a dollar down. If you win, you win 90, if not, who cares? You lost a dollar." But this is all about create or this is all about identifying good and bad bets. So, let's just discuss this 90 to 1 real quick for Elijah Cooks, who probably won't have a touchdown all year, okay? unless there's injuries, whatever. But if things continue how they are, he's not getting on the field. But anyway, let's go to the example. So FanDuel has Elijah Cooks 90 to 1. So what that means is the fair price, if this were a no vig, no tax, fair price line, that means every 90 games, Elijah Cooks would have the first overall touchdown. Okay, But we've got to consider a few things. Considering the spread to the to the Jacksonville-New Orleans game is 1-1, it's going to be a very close game. So what that means is the odds for each team to score first, each team, not each player, but each individual team is right around 50-50. Half the time Jacksonville's going to score first, half the times New Orleans is going to score first, right? So what we have to do is divide this by 2 because this is not how many times Jacksonville will score first. This is first touchdown in the game. So we have to eliminate every time the other team scores cuz Elijah Cooks won't even be on the field. So essentially a 90 to 1 bet for first touchdown score means when Jacksonville has the ball he's of he's one in 45 right that means when jacksonville scores he will hypothetically score one out of 45 times jacksonville does that now i'm not going to go too deep into one out of 45 but that price is outrageous and i'm not even saying it won't happen it may still happen it's not impossible right 0.001 still means there's a chance No, you're telling me there's a chance but that's the thing here so that's what this all comes down to okay is unfair prices over and over and over. if they do that for every single player and every player who should be plus seven hundred is plus five hundred and every player who should be plus fifteen hundred is plus eleven hundred. That's where these little taxes come in. They just they chip away here, chip away there. Every player they're chipping away. So by the end, it's the equivalent of betting into a minus one seventy seven line when you think you got a good bet because you have some twelve to one touchdown score. So that's generally why I say don't make the first touchdown bet if you're going to take this seriously those aren't the type of bets you need to be making it's throwing your money away now you're going to hit your buddies are going to hit there's going to be a lot of that winning going on but there's a lot more losing especially over the long run so that's uh, that's why the first touchdown score is what it is uh, all right appreciate you listening to today's show uh, good luck with whatever you have going on today or tonight we'll talk to you soon right here on sports betting daily